0: You got your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And uh, we are continuing today uh, our series, our Christmas series called He Shall Be Called. Last week we discussed Wonderful Counselor. Uh, and this week we'll be talking about Mighty God. Mighty God. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I just pray over the next few moments, Lord, as we go into Your Word, God, that it would be fresh, that it would be anew. God, that You would just anoint me to speak only what You have for me to speak. God, I pray Your Spirit would just saturate this place. God, we just take a moment, God, just to wait on You. God, believing, Father, that your word is so very alive, it's so very real, that it pierces the deepest heart of men. God, that your word, uh, that, that mighty things happen, God, when your word is spoken, when your word is lived out. God. And we want to have an awesome reverence this morning, God, uh, that your, your word would come through this place. God, that it would go into every heart. God, that we pray that you, uh, Lord, by the end of this service, God, that you would demonstrate your power mightily. And Lord, we believe that you can do things, Lord, as we've heard this morning in the testimonies. God, that you can uh, heal us, you can deliver us. God, you can plan out an awesome path for our life. Lord, When we just sit back, God, and get ourselves in line with your plans and your purpose and your power. Uh, We invite you this morning to be with us in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. amen, amen. He shall be called mighty God. Uh, I've been asking myself this week, uh, do we realize our need for a mighty God? Do we realize our our desperate need for a mighty God? Uh, I've just been kind of going through that in my mind over the last uh, week, and I look at the world, and and I see, I hear uh, things on the news, or I hear people coming to my office, whether it be from our church or community, and you just look at the status of the world today, and you see, that humanity is in a desperate state, that this world is really, really chaotic. I mean, I know the news uh, channels, they feed off of that, and and they're perpetuating fear and all that, but the, uh, the, the, the Bible tells us that that's what's going to happen. The love of men will grow cold, men's heart will grow faint. And never, maybe in the history of humanity, have we been in a more desperate state for a mighty God to show up. And it it reminds me so very much of the day that Jesus Christ came the first time, that Rome and the place that they lived in was a desperate place. Uh, People were were, uh, begging on the streets and the economy had crashed and there was wars and wars and wars and empires that ruled the world and there was a hopelessness in so many people. And I see that today, uh, even in the calls that we'll get for benevolence needs, there's just a, a sense of hopelessness. Where where is my next meal going to come from? Where is my rent going to come from? Where uh, who do I call? And Lord, uh, church, would you pray for me? Uh, people who don't have a church family calling the church family in desperation that they have cancer. Somebody pray for me. There's a there's a sense uh, in this day that we live in for an urgent need of a mighty God, and yet so many unknowingly live in defeat. This world needs a mighty God to deliver it and to give it victory. But then I think about it even more this week, and I think, man, God, not only in the world, but in the church. Maybe perhaps uh, now more than ever, we need a mighty move of God in the American church uh, and the presence of a mighty God to show up. I think about you know, the, the rampant uh, sin issues and the compromising that's in our churches today. Uh, You know, divorce and adultery seemingly happen uh, just as much in the world as it does in the church. We see uh, the same issues plaguing the church as the world, the gossips, the strifes, the the many church splits, uh, even in our community, the many divisions and the many backstabbings that many of us could raise our hands and say, I've experienced those things. Uh, And yet we wonder why we don't see miracles and we don't see uh, faith leaps and God just show up and revolutionize a community and I think now more than ever as well, not just in the world, but in the church, we need a mighty God to show up and just knock our socks off. Just to uh, get us out of the way. And God, you show up and, and demonstrate your power. And I cannot imagine, I'm, I was thinking about this this weekend, uh, hearing these cases and hearing people going through their trials and tribulations. And I was thinking, man, I, I, I'm so glad I live in a day where Jesus has come. Uh, I can't imagine living in a day before Jesus Christ and before the church. That you know that we have something to go back to. We have something to hold on to. We have someone to call out. And before Jesus came, there was no Emmanuel God with us. There was no church family full of the Holy Spirit who could pray with you and see you through tough times and, and be there with you. Yes, there was Israel, but Israel had forsaken that calling. And in 400 years before Christ came, the Holy Spirit had left uh, the prophets, in Israel, and there was a withdrawal of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot imagine living in a day without you, without this, and without Him, that you and I can call upon a mighty God to deliver us. And look with me in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And I'm going to ask you a question this morning as we enter into this message. What if we truly believed that the same power that sent Jesus to this earth that same power that allowed him to live a sinless life, that strengthened him to endure the cross, that same power that rose him from the grave, and that same power that was given to his apostles to go into the all the known world, and oh, oh, despite many difficulties, they spread the gospel. What if I truly believed that that great power, that mighty God, was still with and in us? Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. I'm reading from the New Living this morning says this, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest like warriors dividing the plunder. You'll break the yoke of their slavery and you'll lift the heavy burdens from their shoulders. You'll break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms that are bloodstained by war, they'll all be burned. They'll be fuel for the fire, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on His shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and His peace, it will never end And he'll rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Do you know this is all about you and me? He says he'll enlarge Israel. We've been adopted into his covenant. He says that uh, he will come and break the slavery and the yoke, he'll release the captives and the prisoners. And it will be because the passionate move of the Holy Spirit is going to come and make this happen. And and I look at this today. This is so much about you and about I. And if God is a mighty God, look at that. He says He's a mighty God. We know very well that God is a mighty God. And we know that in our heads, and many of us know... Hearts. And we know it in the Word, and we've sung all about it, that God is a mighty God. And many of us know, before I even tell the Christmas story, that God is a God that's God with us. Emmanuel, that He is with us, and Jesus Christ came, and He died, and He walked this earth, and He, he uh, arose from the dead, and He's God with us. And if He's a mighty God, and He's God in me, is He a mighty God in me? Think about this this morning. We know He's mighty God... And we know that God is in us, but is He the same mighty God in us? All right? Think about that for a moment. He's God, He's mighty, He's in us, but is He truly the same mighty God we talked about last week that made the heavens and the stars and the galaxies and spoke them all and named them all, Uh, the same God that in a very... uh, a plan that portrayed the whole universe into existence and made man and Israel and those whole salvation plan, The same God that can shake the heavens and the earth, that same is God is mighty God, and He's in us, but is is He that mighty inside of me? Because I think sometimes we reduce God to just whatever we... Uh, have seen or heard or have experienced and we lose this great mightiness, this great wonder, this great power to know that, yes, He's God out in the universe and, yes, He can do mighty things in the nations and, yes, He can move mountains and heal the sick and raise the dead, but can He do that inside of you as well? Is He that kind of a God inside of you and I today? And that Maybe what if, what if we not only heard and what if we not only read about God's mighty power this morning, but what if we experience it? What if we experience it? This word, look with me, mighty God. Let's go back to that verse. Verse 6. Mighty God. What does that mean? Uh, the actual word there is El Gibor. And it means literally God the mighty warrior. God the mighty warrior. That mighty God means he is a mighty warring king. That, think about uh, uh, how many of you know about uh, David and his mighty men? Everybody read that before? David had these awesome mighty men. Man, these guys were men of men. They could go out and like, kill 900 people. Like Gladiator, the movie Braveheart, I ain't got nothing on these guys. And those guys were called mighty men. And there's, uh, in the ancient days, there was mighty men of valor. And it referenced the best of the best soldiers. It referenced this, uh, these awesome guys of power and skill uh, who could do anything uh, more than the normal man. That they were full of this strength. And this uh, uh, passionate, mighty God, it says, is going to come to this earth... And he's going to move, and he's going to be demonstrating himself as mighty God. It means his power, his strength in battle, that he comes as Redeemer, Deliverer, and Judge. I'm going to tell you this morning about the mighty deeds of God. You know, we may think, uh, what, what is mighty? And think about, when you think the word mighty, what do you think of? What do you, I think about Mighty Mouse immediately. How many of you ever watched that when you were a kid? Mighty Mouse, we don't have that anymore. Or, or you know, even if we go down the street, think about something mighty. You know, I was looking at... Uh, This weekend out in nature, just the mighty cypress trees that are out there. And you know, you couldn't, if you were just by yourself and you just had your hands, you couldn't do anything about that tree. That tree is mighty. You can't move it. You can't cut it down without uh, tools or equipment. You think about that uh, Ford F-150, that V-8 that uh, might be out in the parking lot, that 385 horsepower. That's pretty mighty, right? Uh, But you think about, even go a little further, NASA. NASA has these rockets. They're half a million gallon rockets. A fuel, right? They accelerate to 3,000 miles per hour. There are 423 degrees Fahrenheit, and they have 37 million horsepower. Put that on your truck, guys. 37 million horsepower. That's pretty mighty, right? Now, you think about things that we can make, and we, we, I think we, wanna, we need to get this morning a bigger picture of the might of God. That 37 million horsepower, you know, man accomplished that. Man went to the moon. We're, we, we did some great things, right? And the world would boast in the strength of our military, our powers, our economy. But think about this. The Bible says these things that by his simple spoken word, God created the heavens and the earth. What can you say that would change anything in this world? Think about a hundred billion trillion stars. He spoke all power into existence. Think about this, that scripture says that lightning and thunder and earthquakes and consuming fire goes before him. It says that He commands the wind, the rain, the snow, that He can make mountains into valleys and deserts into oceans. You know how much it would take for mankind to take a desert and make it into an ocean? We could get all the caterpillars and the cats and the backhoes and the dump trucks out there. We could try. We could do things. But God speaks, and deserts become oceans. Mountains can come become valleys. Think about the mightiness of, of a being such as this. And that you were to encounter Him and stand before Him one day. You will stand before a mighty God who can speak such things into existence. And think about this, that all of the world, that says in Scripture, all of creation obeys Him. Scripture declares that God's even more. He avenges His name. That God is a God who destroys His enemies. He can lay hold of nations and cities. He can remove and install kings and rulers. He can cause famine, desolation, and war. God is a God of the nations. And yet at the same time, God is a God who demonstrates His mighty power by fighting for His people. You think about the story of the Exodus. God comes out with signs and wonders and great terror, Scripture says. He's the kind of a God that in the middle of complete destruction, He can save and restore His righteous people. He's a deliverer, a redeemer. He comes with justice. And he's so mighty and so great, the Bible says his mercy endures forever. And he is so powerful that he can cleanse sin out of a person's spiritual heart. Think about that. I can't affect any kind of spiritual thing. I can't touch the spiritual world. I can't even change anything about your sin or my sin. No matter how much I prayed, I have no resource, able or power in my mind or hands to touch or to affect anything spiritual. And God has the power to go down and redeem your soul from the pit of death and hell. And not only that, but to sanctify you, to change the very physics and nature of what makes you spiritual. He can affect you spiritually. Now that is a mighty God, such power that we don't even know. We don't even understand. And Psalms 150 tells us, Call on, and he calls on us to praise God for His mighty work. Praise Him for His unequaled greatness. Because the mighty acts of God should move in us for joyful praise. When's the last time we just looked up and looked around and said, God, man, You are so awesome. God, You are so mighty. And to get a revelation that, God, You are more powerful than my situation. You're more powerful than this national calamities that we're involved in. God, You're more powerful than sin, death, hell, and the devil itself. God, You alone are mighty. He's a mighty God. And look with me in Luke chapter 1 verse 46. Luke chapter 1 verse 46. We read it this morning. Coming back to the Christmas story. So you get this picture now. Okay, and that was all that was the intro, right? Now, I'm actually going to start now, and no, I'm joking. Think about this. Okay, I just set the scene. A mighty God, and I think we have to get this is the perspective that people had in the Old Testament, right? And so when they meet Jesus, they're thinking about God in this context, a mighty God of the nations, right? And sometimes we lose that when we come over here that Jesus is my friend on on the pew on Sunday morning, right? But think about it. He's mighty God, everlasting Father, okay? Now come with me. Luke one forty six. Mary hears of what God is going to do. And when she hears of the good news of Jesus Christ's coming... It was in reference and in the context of understanding God as a mighty God. Now, follow with me this morning. She had such a revelation that when Jesus came, it evoked a specific language of praise. All right? And this is called the magnificat. It means magnify, it is the magnification of the Lord. And her response to a mighty God is to magnify him. Okay, now I'll come back to that. Luke 1, 46. Let's read it again this morning. She said, My soul exalts the Lord. We sing that song, I exalt thee. Think about it in that context, right? He says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had a regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on... All generations will count me blessed. And then she goes on, and the prophetic Holy Spirit just comes over her, and the Holy Spirit anoints her, and the Holy Spirit begins to sing this song through her, okay? That's what happens here. And she says this, For the Mighty One, look at that, has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear Him. He's done mighty deeds with His arm. He's scattered those who are proud in thoughts of their hearts. And He's brought down rulers from their thrones and exalted those who are humbled. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He's given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy. Now look at that today. Do we have such a picture of God? And when you think about Jesus Christ coming to this earth, is that the kind of thing that you start singing? I thought that was kind of weird this morning because we, when we think about Jesus coming, we think about a little baby in a manger and we think about, oh, Noel, and we think about, you know, uh, some of us think about, old oh, Christmas tree or something like that instead. But, you know, you think about Jesus coming and do you think immediately, man, mighty God who can move the nations and then you, Jesus and a little baby. Like our minds don't normally go that direction. and I, I look at this as a unique passage Because when Mary heard that the Messiah was coming, she didn't think about him as, oh, a wee little baby. She thought about him as mighty, conquering warrior is coming to this earth. Mighty, conquering, deliverer. Mighty one who can do great things and who can shake the nations is coming today. And now, now look at this. How Have we reduced God to someone we can manage, figure out, and control? When we think about Jesus, is it in a revelation and in a context of a mighty God? Is he in the revelation in the context of one who is bigger, who is, uh, lo, uh, brings the prideful uh, down low? He does, feeds the hungry, and he, he moves the nations. Because he comes as Emmanuel. Now, let's look at this. Look with me in Matthew one twenty three. Okay, so we have this mighty God, and Mary gets this revelation that mighty God is coming here today. But he's in this context, and let's go back to the Christmas story. Matthew one twenty three. that Gabriel comes and he tells her, Hey, he shall be called. You're going to be with child. This virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they'll call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Look to your neighbor and say, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You just spoke Greek. Congratulations. All right. Emmanuel, God with us. He told her, Mighty God will be in you and will be with you. And because of that revelation, she's filled the Spirit. She prophesies. But what is it about the mighty God? So we got the picture of the mighty God. Now let's come down. The mighty God, he says, is going to be with you. Now think about this for a second. He's mighty God. He's out there. He's moving the nations. He's awesome in power, glory, and majesty. And then she says, Mighty God's going to be with you. Why is that important? If you look at this word, Emmanuel, there's only a few places in the Bible that it is, and one is Isaiah 8, verse 10. Because you have to understand this word, Emmanuel. Uh, It means God is with us, but you have to understand the context. Isaiah 8, verse 10 gives us a little bit of the context of why Isaiah chose this word through the Holy Spirit. It's in the context where Isaiah is kind of frustrated with the nation of Israel for walking away with God, but God has promised to bring a remnant. God has promised to deliver by any means possible. God's going to restore this world to what it should look like. God's going to come. God's going to shake the nations. And Isaiah's prophesying this, but Israel's not really listening. But he says, you know what? It doesn't really matter. God's plan's going to happen, okay? You can't stop God. God's going to redeem his people. And if, even if he's got to have the rocks cry out, this that kind of a thing. God's going to make it happen. He's going to glorify his name, and he's going to set whoever wants to be free free. And so Isaiah taunts these nations who are coming against Israel. And he says, you can make a plan. You can try to get your armies against us. You can throw everything at us you want, but Emmanuel. That's what he says in eight chapter, Isaiah eight ten. He says, but Emmanuel. What does that mean? But God is with us. That's what it is. It's that antagonizing thing. It's like, you can do whatever you want against me, devil. You can throw all the things that you want to me, world. You can stab me in the back. You can run me over backwards and forwards. You can run my name out in the ditch. But, Emmanuel, God's with me. It's this kind of a thing. that He is mighty God. And the context of Emmanuel is always used in the context of mighty God. It means that God is my mighty warrior. God is on my side, and if, if he is for me, who can be against me? God with us. Mighty God with us. Do you think about it that way when you think about Jesus? We think about, we sing that song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. It means, O come, O come, my mighty God. O come, O come, be God, be mighty God with us. And that's what we're asking today. When we go to close in prayer this afternoon, I want us to say, God, I need you to be mighty in me. God, I want a mighty God on my side. I don't want just some Jesus I can manage or Jesus I can cry out to when I need Him. God, I want just the complete power of God to be mighty. And, and he says, Jesus became God with us. Think about his life. He taught with authority as a mighty prophet. He performed mighty works. He healed the sick. He opened blind eyes and deaf ears. He casted out demons. He raised the dead. And yet more than that, he did something we couldn't even imagine. He, through his atoning work on the cross and his powerful resurrection, delivered us. That's how he showed himself, mighty God. You know, John Wesley died. Anybody know John Wesley? Founder of the Methodist movement. Great, great man of God. He died saying this words. He said, The best of all is God is with us. That was the last words. The best of all, Emmanuel. God is with us. Who is this God with us? He is the mighty God. He's the one who comforts us in tribulation. He's the one who delivers us from sin's power. He's the one that will silence our accusers on our judgment day. He is the one, the Bible says through Paul, will soon crush Satan under our feet, in Romans 16. He's the God who allows mortals, to put on immortality, and he's the one that allows us, every single person in this room, in that last day of our life, when our breath is leaving us, that we can say, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? And thanks be to God, Paul says, that we, at that day, will have the victory, and Jesus Christ, mighty God with us. Mighty God with us. Spurgeon, another great pastor, said, God with us. Think about that phrase God with us. He says, you know, that's Eternity's sonnet. He said, that's Heaven's hallelujah. That's the shout of the glorified, the song of the redeemed, God with us. It's the chorus of the angels. It's the everlasting music of the great orchestra in the sky. God with us. It is such a mighty thing that God saw fit to be, not just mighty God out there, but mighty God down here. He became mighty God with us. Now is He mighty in me? Look with me in Romans 8.10. Mighty in me. Mighty God, mighty God with us, and mighty God in me. Jesus comes, He walks, He wins the victory, He gives us His Spirit. And now, like Mary, you and I have the Spirit of Christ living in us. Romans 8, verse 10 says this, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness, but if the Spirit of Him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Somebody say you. You. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What are you saying here? You and I have a mighty God, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And he gives us this mind of Christ. And knowing this great thing, that God is mighty God, that he became mighty God with us. And now he is now mighty God in us us. Mighty God in us. The apostles got this so very real, so very tangible, so very mightily within them, and that they they conquered the known world with the gospel. They, They moved mountains. They went through peril and tribulation, distress, persecution, abandonment, and yet God in His might was with them, and not only with them, but in them. You think about it this way. You and I have been given the power not only to live right, but the power to advance His kingdom. But why do so many Christians lack the power of God? Why don't we see more holiness in 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 the context of our churches? Why don't we see more power? And I'm looking for real life change, real transformation, that you see those people coming off the streets and turn their lives completely around. Why don't we see more of that? Where God not only becomes mighty God out there, but mighty God in here. And church, I believe God wants to do something, uh, not only today, but in the next coming months. God has been preparing my heart for the revival that we're going to be having in January. God, I believe, is even setting things in motion because God was wanting to break forth in this last day to show how mighty He really is. That He's the God of the Exodus, and He's still God today. He's a God that can move nations and do signs and wonders and perform great miracles, but He's looking for a group of people who says, God, I may not be completely all put together and everything, but I really do desire you to be mighty in me. God, I really want you to show up, and I believe that you are still mighty. Because Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he dealt with this church, and they were full of problems. Too many to even list this morning. But he comes to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, and he says something like this. He says, since you're seeking for proof of this Christ who speaks in me, and he's not really weak towards you, But he is mighty in you, for indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives now because of the power of God. For you and I, we also are weak in him, yet we'll live with him because of the power of God directed towards you. He used several words, mighty in you and power of God for you, directed to you. Paul rebukes their problems. He says, guys, you guys are messed up. I haven't said that to you yet, right? Right. Well, have you just come on and say, man, you guys are just horrible. And Paul gets up there and he's like, man, you guys got all these problems. Man, this church ain't got it going on at all, right? And he says, but guess what? The power of God is still mighty in you. It's there inside of you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, there is a mighty God who can shake the nations dwelling in you you got to get a revelation of that kind of power, that, that source of energy, that, that uh, a mountainous power inside of you. And he says, if you would just understand how mighty God can be in you and through you and for you, it would clean your act up, one, but also you would begin to do great and mighty things. And he says, you guys think, and he, he tells his church, he's like, you guys think Jesus was weak and you guys think that I'm weak. But he says, think about it. The cross looked like it was weakness to the world. But instead, the cross was the mighty power of God that changed humanity. We may go through things in this world that may look like I'm going through weakness. I'm going through defeat. Man, I, I, don't, I don't... Brother Larry, how it looked like everything was against you. The, the physical things that we see in the natural things in this world, it looks like, oh God, what are you going to do? Just like the cross of Calvary. Everybody thought, well, the devil's won. This guy wasn't the Messiah. It's weakness. But in those weak moments, that's where God's mighty power is manifesting us, that it's a thing of the spirit, not of the natural. And so many people, we go through this world and there's trials and tribulations and, and, and terror on every side. But even though we may look weak to the entire nation, even though we look like we have no voice, that we're losing all the political battles, that we're losing all the things in this world, that, that the terrorists are taking over the world, in those weak moments, that's when God shows up Mighty. Amen? You guys with me this morning? God is saying, hey, your kind of weakness and my might, they may not be the same definition. I want to be a mighty God in you. I want to show up in your life and, and, and let you know what holiness really looks like. I want you to, to know what the love of God really looks like. God being mighty in us, that we'd have His righteousness, that we would be conquering sin issues that we so often deal with, and that we'd be advancing His gospel like we've never advanced it before. Is He mighty God in you? He says, test yourselves later on in the chapter. Are we really carnally minded or spiritually minded? Where does your strength come from? Are you weak in the things of this world and mighty in the things of God? Do you have His love? Do you have His righteousness, His holiness, His victory over sin? You know, He's already done it. He's already given the victory over sin. He's already given the victory over those illnesses. He's already conquered death for us. We just got to let Him to be mighty God in us. So how do you do that this morning? How do you do that this morning? God is a mighty God. God is in me. But is God mighty in me? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Call to me, Verse 33, 3, I'll answer, show, and I'll show you some great and some mighty things which you do not know. God is a God over all things. There is nothing too hard for Him. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what situation you're struggling with. I don't know if it's a sin issue or maybe just circumstantial, family, relational, financial... He says, God is a mighty God. There's nothing too hard for him. Call to me and answer, and I will do things mighty for you that you don't even understand. You can't even comprehend what a God can do in your situation. Can't even comprehend it. The three things you've got to do this morning, we're going to close. Number one is rely on. The Bible says, believe. Those, these signs will follow those who believe in Mark 16, and they will do great and mighty things. In that sense, that context, he says that they will, uh, those who believe, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they'll pick up serpents, drink deadly poison, nothing will hurt them, they can lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. Those people who rely on and believe, those people who understand that Jesus Messiah, God Emmanuel, is mighty God. He has got the victory won. I'm just getting on board the train. I'm just getting in line with what he's already done, right? And he says, if you really believe it, something's going to change in your life. These signs are going to follow you. Not just the pastor, not just the preacher, not just the evangelist or the youth pastor or the kids' workers or the leaders or the deacons or the ushers. It's it's every person who believes God's going to begin following them with mighty things, Mighty things are going to be demonstrated in their life. And he says, so you need to, number one, rely on God. Know this, that Jesus did not do many miracles in his own hometowns because people did not believe. They did not rely on him. And Mary, when she received the Holy Spirit, she had to believe the Word of God to be filled with his Spirit. Who is Jesus Christ today? He is mighty God with us. So if I believe on that and I rely on that, number two, then he, Paul tells us, crucify the flesh. He says, I get crucified with Christ, no longer me, but Christ who lives in me, and now I live it in the faith of God. It's God himself living in me, and I allow, have to allow the mighty spirit of God to have freedom in me. And number three, we go back to Mary and say, all right, God, I relied on you. I believe on you. I know that, God, you are mighty God, and you are not only mighty God out there. You became mighty God with us, and now, God, you're mighty God living in me, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit living within me. God is on my side, and if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and that's where Paul says in Romans eight thirty one. he says, What shall you say to these things now? If God is for us, it's almost in the same context of God is with us, God Emmanuel. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't even spare his own son but delivered him over for us So how will he not freely give us all things? And it's like Mary, she understood in that moment, God, I know you're with me. God, I know you're for me. And God, and I'm for you, I'm humble, I'm broken before you. God, I believe on you. And God, I want to crucify the flesh in me. And God, I now glorify you. God, I magnify you. You're not actually making God any bigger when you magnify him. He's already big. It's helping you and I understand. God, in that situation, I'm going to begin to magnify a mighty God. I'm going to begin to remember, to look back and to say, God... God, maybe it's cancer. God, maybe it's a surgery. Maybe it's a financial need. God, maybe it's the weakness that I feel in me. God, maybe it's a sin issue. But God, if I know who you are, God, if I crucify the flesh in me, God, I begin to worship you, to magnify you and say, God, if you are for me, God, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God, I know that you are bigger God, you spoke the stars into existence. How much more you can handle this situation in my life. God, I know you are holy, you are worthy, and that worship begins to come out of you. And that praise, like the Holy Spirit uh, come upon Mary, just begins to fill you. And we know that God, nothing, his word says, nothing can separate us from his love. He's mighty God with us and mighty God in us. Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody moving around. Do you believe this, church? This is the good news of Jesus Christ, mighty God. Is He mighty God in you and with you? Have you relied on, crucified the flesh, and magnified? Rely, crucify, and magnify. Jesus. Holy God. Mighty God. Lord, we just welcome you in this next few moments. God, I pray that this is, the most, this is the most important time of the whole service, God, right now. We choose in our hearts to demonstrate in our obedience, our love, our commitment to you to say, God, I know your mighty God. I believe, Lord, how mighty you are. God, I can't even comprehend it. How awesome, how powerful, how victorious. You are the mighty warrior. And God, you have delivered me from hell, from sin, from the devil's accusations, and from death itself. That's how powerful you are. And God, I want you to be that powerful in me. God, I want to surrender to you enough that there's nothing left. God, that I'm not fighting against you. God, that I'm not weak, Lord, with you, but God, that I know that while I'm weak on my own, in you, God, I can be mighty. God, in you, I can have the victory. God, in you, I can overcome, God, because you are my deliverer, my redeemer, my victor. Father, I know there are many in our congregation, in our community who are struggling with things, God, whatever it may be, they don't have the victory. Maybe it be a mental issue, an emotional issue. God, maybe it be a family a situation. Maybe it be uh, sin issues, they, drugs or alcohol or addiction they want to get deliverance over. God, maybe it be uh, marital issues. God, they can't overcome pride and unforgiveness or, or selfishness. God, maybe there are things, Lord, that you have already delivered us from hell and sin itself. But God, we need to not only believe that and know that, but God, we need to let you be mighty God in us. Lord, that this world is looking for a church to rise up and to take a stand. Lord, and we may look weak as the world would define weakness, but God, we know that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And Lord, our, our weapons, of not are this world, they are spiritual. Lord, they are to destructing spiritual things, God, and they can move mighty mountains and break down spiritual forces in high places, God. Because we pray because we live holy, God, because we speak the word of God on our lips. Lord, I'm praying for a move of God at Sanctuary Family Worship Center in Gina, Louisiana, God, that would begin not in just January, but God, begin right now in this place here today. God, that we would just shrug off and say, God, I'm so tired of just going through the motions. God, I'm so tired of living in weakness. God, I'm so tired of not seeing the supernatural Lord manifested in my life. God, I read about it. I study about it. I've heard about it. But God, Lord, let us be a people that gets tired of living In weakness of living under the status quo, but God shakes off these things that this world has put on us and say, God, you are the deliverer. God, you are the redeemer. God, you are the victor. Mighty God. And because you came with us, and God, because you're in us, we are mighty too. We are a mighty group of people because we are the people of the King. God, there is nothing that can stop us. Nothing that can stand in our way from saying, Devil, you've got no hold on this city. Devil, you've got no hold on my family. Lord, you know. God, I know you have the victory.